from the city of brotherly love. This is Shark Bite Biz with David Strausser. You just read to the newest episode of Shark Bite Biz. I'm your rock star wannabe host, David Strausser, and this is your place to learn how to grow business during complete global chaos. Today, it's all about networking. First, though, remember, please download the Shark Bite Biz app exclusively on the Google Play Store. If you're an Android user, you will find every single episode of the show, both audio and video, all in one place right there in the app. Plus, you can buy our fabulous coffee, Dead House Coffee, right there. Just click on the Coffee Store tab. You'll find it. Use code SHARK, get 20% off. But if not, head on over to deadhousecoffee.com. And again, like I said, use code SHARK. You'll get 20% off your order. We'll get all the proceeds to continue growing this show the biggest and best we can. Also, gotta announce this. We now are live on Minds. We have a Minds account, which is, I believe it's minds.com slash sharkbitebiz. You can find it on the links on our YouTube channel. So let's get back to today's show. Growing a valuable network and marketing successfully, it's tough. You know, for me, the best way I was able to do it was to create this very podcast. Others? have to kind of figure it out their own, you know, marketing via email or doing virtual networking. Lucky for you, though, today's guest is a master of both of them. So who do we have today? None other than Mr. Robbie Samuels. Robbie Samuels is an author, speaker, and business growth strategy coach recognized as a networking expert by Harvard Business Review, Forbes, Lifehacker, and Inc. He is also a virtual design event consultant and executive Zoom producer, recognized as an industry expert in the field of digital event design by JDC Events. Robbie is the author of Croissants vs. Bagels, its strategic, effective, and inclusive networking at conferences, and small list, big list results, Launch a successful offer no matter the size of your email list. He is a Harvard Business Review contributor. His clients include thought leaders, entrepreneurial women, associates, national and statewide advocacy organizations, women's leadership summits, including Feeding America, California WIC Association, and AmeriCorps. Robbie is the host of the on the Smooth Podcast and hashtag no more bad Zoom virtual happy hours. So, hey, I'm going to shut up. Let's bring Robbie right on in here. Business strategy. Robbie, welcome to Shark Bite Biz. You, my friend, you just became Shark Bait. Awesome to be here. Thanks for having oh, me. No problem. No problem. So we have a tradition on this show. Okay. Every single person that comes on must answer this one simple question. Okay. What's your background? What's your experience? What do you do? Basically tell us in a nutshell, what makes Robbie Robbie? Well, prior to the pandemic, I spent about a decade working to be known as a networking expert 
Um, this started with uh, speaking engagements uh, with a topic called Art of the Schmooze. It led to me launching a podcast in 2016 called On the Schmooze. <laughs> and a year later in 2017, my first book came out, Poissons versus Bagels, Strategic, Effective, and Inclusive Networking at Conferences. And I bet you're going to ask me, what's the deal with the bakery? items so <laughs> well, first i was gonna ask you i was gonna ask you schmooze it seems like is that your favorite yeah. word uh i was raised jewish and uh schmoozing is a good good way of describing what what i teach how to work a room so uh bagels bagels are those tight clusters those you know when you walk in a room people standing in those shoulder to shoulder huddles that are impossible to break into that's the bagel but if someone shifts their body language and makes space for someone else to join the circle, that's the croissant. And so it was, it was about body language, but also sort of mentally, you're going to events, not just for content, but for the possibility of great connections. And so it was like, you know, really mindset shifts around how do we prepare ourselves to make the most of these opportunities. That led to me creating a group coaching program. And in 2019, I did a TEDx on this topic. You can actually watch that whole thing at robbysamuels.com forward slash TEDx. It's a cool way to sort of, I brought people on stage. So you just imagine March, 2020, here I am known for teaching people how to network at events and the operative word at is no longer applicable. Uh, we're now all online <laughs> and I was trying to figure out how to show up and be of value. That was sort of the mantra that I was living by that week. Uh, the week of March 9th is when it all kind of hit me. And I released uh, nine ways to network in a pandemic as sort of a quick response and decided I would host a virtual happy hour, which was one of the things I had written down. Um, and that is how on March 13th, 2020, the day that the whole world hit pause, I hosted my first virtual happy hour. And the next week I did it again and did it again. And it led to me creating within eight months, uh, a kind of new business around being a virtual event design consultant and an executive Zoom producer, which quickly grew to a six-figure company in eight months based on all new revenue streams. It kept growing. And 2021, I was able, mid-year, realized we had enough money for down payment, moved to your neck of the woods in Pennsylvania, um, bought a beautiful home, and kept having a question for a year. So people were like, how did you do that? How did you do that? So I had a book that I'd started writing in 2018, and I decided to like, you know, pull it out of the drawer. And that became my second book, which is called Small List, Big Results, Launch a Successful Offer No Matter the Size of Your Email List. Because the secret to my success is that I'm also a business growth strategist. And during that, you know, big shift of March 2020, I was coaching about a dozen entrepreneurs a week through a program that I was working for. And um, I was getting all these inquiries but I didn't, I could have just had coffee chats for the rest of the year and in some ways would have been very happy with that. But I would never tell a client to do that. So I turned those calls into research calls. And so my book is really about how do you find likely prospects from within your existing network who already know, like, and trust you, do those research calls, and then create a pilot that they will help you validate your idea. So it's all about building an audience before you try to sell your big solution. Wow, that's awesome there. You gave me a lot to chew on. <laughs> Going with the bakery theme. 
So, uh, yeah, I mean, first off, I, I think the first thing that I have to ask is networking in general. Okay. You, you obviously explained, laid out how things were done before March of 2020, how things are done now, post March of 2020. Do you miss the old way of networking? How do you compare pre-March 2020 versus post-March 2020? Which way is more effective? Well, I will say that I have made more connections and deeper connections since March 2020 than the five years prior. And the reason is that prior to that, if you and I met at a conference, um, you know, we hit it off, maybe we got invited to a dinner or I hosted a dinner and you came to it, but we might not have stayed in touch at all for the whole year until the next conference. And then we might run into each other. Oh yeah, I remember you. It was really fun. And maybe then we decide to like try to make plans. So I just think that it, it would take longer to build a relationship. Whereas I've been hosting a weekly event since March 13th, 2020, which is we're now about to hit two years. There are people who've gone to that event 50, 80, 100, 100 times, right? So the relationships that we're able to build with each other, the compounded effort of, of that relationship, you know, meeting each other. Now, I think that when we're going and no, back to- no commute times. I mean, that's no the big times. thing. Oh, and time zones. Like I have, I have a friend I've been meeting with since November 2019, and she's in Australia. We've met once in person. And I don't know if we'll ever meet again in person. Like it- I don't know, but we meet every single month. We, we talk for like two hours every single month. So there's just something about a commitment to that. And I did it a little bit beforehand because I, you know, I was someone who was familiar with using Zoom. But now I think there is more people thinking about doing it. It's more than just you knowing how to use Zoom. Yeah, you know how to use Zoom before March 2020. You probably knew how to use Skype for business, Skype, Teams, whatever software you were using. But the thing is, it's kind of like LinkedIn in many ways. You know, LinkedIn's been around for like almost ever, uh, probably almost as long as video calls have, um, you know. But the thing is, not many people understood really how to kind of use it effectively until the pandemic. And I think that same thing is with Zoom and with Microsoft Teams, that type of technology. It was around, but people really didn't understand how to how to use it. But I mean, that being said, now that everybody is using it, kind of expose some of the shortcomings you know zoom went through their thing with the security and people trolling their rubs and stuff like that uh you know now they're getting all this massive development to make these tools even more useful than they ever were before so it's a combination of a couple different things there so I want to take one step backwards real quick. Um, you said the, the bagel versus the croissant. That is a cool concept. And I had that scenario running through my head as you were reading that out. And it made me think really briefly. When I first started networking, I used to kind of, I guess you could say, be in a a bagel, you know, and like a close circle, just group of people. And it wasn't really 
effective and i'm like yeah i met a, you know a dude and he's cool we're gonna be friends and when i was in my mid-20s it was like okay i guess that's kind of cool but then as i started getting closer to 30 as years went by i started thinking you know i'm, I'm doing this networking yeah i might meet one person we may or may not end up being friends but it's really not benefiting me with the business at all how do i grow as a professional to really you know quote unquote schmooze uh schmooze the room and work the room to kind of get as many touch points as i can and you know meet as many people as i can and you know it's kind of like red light green light in a way you know if you see something that's good i stop you know red light stop i'm staying here for a minute and this might be something here worth developing a little bit more and digging deeper other people it's like okay green light really cool give me your card we'll catch up in a few weeks and just move on but it took me a while to learn that skill is that I mean, normal you think? I think oh yeah i mean i think that a lot of people have a misunderstanding about what networking in person is about um it's not about actually collecting tons of business cards and it's not about only standing with people you already know what I, my biggest suggestion is to write your follow-up email before you go to an event that would be true in person or online and the purpose of writing this draft message is to get real clear in your own mind about your reasons for going and write it to your ideal connection so think about who's going to be there, maybe do some research to understand who's going to be, you know, who are the audience members, who are the people, maybe specifically you have a list of people or sponsors, and then write the message like, what do you want them to know about you? What do you, what would kind of follow what you ask of them? And because I do, I'm a multi-passionate entrepreneur, so I wear multiple hats. So I have to always walk in knowing what's the thing I'm presenting first, and maybe other things will come up. And particularly things in follow-up messages could follow, could come up in follow-up conversations. And that can and change event to event too, as of well. Course, because it, it's every almost event like changes. if you're applying for a job, you want to kind of cater your resume for that specific job or that industry or whatever to show those strengths. It's kind of like that with networking as well, too. You want to go there with your elevator pitch or your follow-up questions, have that prep for that type of an event. You'd be surprised how few people even do that for like two minutes before they go into an event. So it's about being more selective about what events we go to. If it's a virtual event, I would say look for virtual events that are well-produced, that have opportunities for you to engage with fellow participants as well as ask questions. Um, you're going to get more out of that than the webinar that you're watching, list, half listening to while cooking dinner on your phone, you're watching on your phone. Like if you have to be present and you have to engage, you're just you're going to get more out of it and you're going to get a chance to meet like-minded people and same thing for in person if you're going to make an effort to travel make sure it's for the right reasons and then i would just also say commit so if you go three times over 12 months versus three times in three months same effort but a very different outcome because if you go three times in three months you become a regular people get to know who you are and even if you miss the fourth month they could possibly still refer somebody to you but if you go three times once every four months, honestly, every time you show up, it's the first time. No one remembers you. And it's just really about committing, kind of to dig in, 
have those three visits in a quick succession and get to know people. I mean, I remember going to a new association and I got introduced through a, a board member. So I went looking for that board member and in the process met other board members, took selfies with all these board members and met one to the other to the other. And then a week before the next month's meeting, I posted all these selfies on LinkedIn telling, saying how much I was looking forward to meeting, you know, reconnecting with all of them. And then like go back in and I, and that helped me remember people's names and their role. So then I was able to follow up and have a real conversation with people about what they were doing, what kind of help with it. I mean, they basically were like ready to recruit me onto the board, <laughs> like my second meeting, right? Cause they're like, whoa, honestly, it took less effort than me just wandering around hoping to bump into somebody. So yeah. Yeah. That, that's totally great. And I do love that strategy. I've never, uh, I'll be honest. I never thought about it like that, where you were like posting the pictures and, and stuff like that. That's, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Um, now, one thing that you started mentioning earlier, and I did cut you off to kind of jump back in time before we got too far away from it, was you were starting to talk about the future of events and the direction that we're going. We've had a couple of people on here talking about that, and many people tend to feel that the direction that we're going to be going is going to be a hybrid event scenario where you have to have a, say the conference is, say it's a conference, okay? Let's put networking conferences aside for a second and separate them. Say it's a full-blown conference, like I do Vision 33, we do SAP and Sage. So say it's the SAP conference. They're going to have the webinar portion of that, but then they're also probably going to have probably a little bit smaller than they would have in past years, but they would still have the live uh, portion of it as well, too. Do you think that's a direction that we're going in? How far off is that? So pre-pandemic, I made uh, an announcement on several podcasts that I thought that in the next five years, in-person events, we're going to take on more meaning and purpose, and people are going to be really thoughtful about which ones they went to. <laughs> little did I know that I think it's true. We just got there through a pandemic that the events that provide the kind of uh, quality connection, high levels of production, real value for making the effort to show up in person are the ones we're going to continue to go to. If it's something we feel like we can get the content and meet enough people and just go to the virtual version of it, um, it's not going to be worth the, the plane ride. And now we have more options than ever before. So when we do go in person, we're going to really feel like, yeah, there was a reason I'm going in person. That, so that's one part. I actually don't love hybrid. Um, I don't think hybrid, and I mean hybrid as in, in the same instance, we're trying to provide value for an in-person audience and an online audience. And I that, think a lot of That's hard. Places, I think that brings some challenges because even as I a think speaker. It's possible, honestly. <laughs> I mean, think, think I, about it. As yeah. a speaker, I have to be able to have my punchlines ready that will work for in-person, but also will fly over the web for people watching from a computer too. I mean, some of those things are I mean, hard it, to pull off. It's really hard to pull off and... A lot of organizations haven't truly stepped up when it comes to virtual 
and their version pre-pandemic of an on- online access is putting a camera on the back of the room that's pointed at the stage. And right. nobody's going to feel okay about that now that we've actually started to experience quality run, well-produced virtual gatherings. So it would have to be. And it's not that hard. I mean, I mean, to be honest, I don't think it's extremely, extremely difficult. I mean, you see the show, it's not perfect, but we have a pretty sophisticated production quality, I think. That's different than community engagement. So one, there's training speakers to look at the camera and acknowledge audience members without like doing this the whole time. Um, there's how do you do online facilitation so that people know who's coming up next and they know how to unmute them. I mean, there's just these fine points. And then there's running breakout rooms with thoughtful questions and who goes first. And so there's just all these pieces. And if you haven't really stepped up to learn that, and now you're trying to also add it in person, I think it's going to be a, a big fail. So here's how I would prefer to see hybrid. Events are not a moment in time. Events are conversations that's ongoing year round. And some parts of the year, that is a virtual conversation. And at some points of the year or once a year, it's a meeting and get in person. But before we would have an annual conference, but there was no sort of thoughtful follow-up sequence. And we wouldn't talk for another you know, 11 and a half months. I would love it if there was the event. I actually, right now I'm doing, um, I'm basically doing a session design for in-person sessions for this conference. One of my clients is doing their first in-person in two years. And I'm working with session owners on how to design their, their events. And the thing is, I, I'm not their content expert. Like they're the content expert. My questions are the same virtually or in person. What are you trying to achieve? And then let's design something. But I'm thinking, okay, let's think about when people come in the room, who's greeting them. Is there a question on the board that they can like talk to each other about? How do we welcome people so that they're chatting before the session starts? Because that's a great opportunity for them to meet each other. And this is all stuff that I've been trying to do since pre-pandemic. But I think particularly now, honestly, like people are so out of practice, me included, for doing the chit chat in person that I think we need higher levels of support at these events for them to feel really good. Like we're being taken care of. We're not just like floating. Now, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm their um, connections concierge is what they decided <laughs> to call me. Um, hosting all these gatherings like during the breaks and during you know meals and stuff. I, I've got to say, I do love your definition of hybrid. Coming on this show, I had honestly no idea what you were going to say. I was kind of expecting that you were going to say what other people said, but you surprised me with your answer. And, you know, that's why I asked the question, because I wanted to hear what you said. And I do, now that I've heard that, and I compared it against the others, and I hear what you're saying. I mean, it makes so much sense. And instead of doing a one-off event like that, it you know should be that continuing conversation that you know is that dynamic of in person and virtual a conversation that essentially never stops throughout the year, and it allows you to have more than just that one time annual touch point it allows you to have multiple touch points here's something to think about when we were first shifting to online we talked about all the constraints of online and what wasn't Mm -hmm. possible 
in-person has constraints that we lived with. Yeah. We had to travel all to one location. And because of that, you would have multiple concurrent sessions happening at the same time. I've been to conferences yeah. 40 concurrent sessions. So oh, even wow. if it's just six concurrent sessions, that's hard. But what if half or more than half that content is being dripped out over three months before the in-person? So more right. people get access to that. And then you have kind of more of a networking keynote and some breakout sessions happening in person over a few days. And then maybe you have a few more breakouts. So it's really like an ongoing experience. And some people choose to, for the higher price, go also to the in-person piece and probably get a lot of value out of it. I yeah. just think that when we do in person, we think this is the way it's supposed to be, but no one likes choosing from one of 40. Like that's, right, that's, not, right, right. Uh, so, that's not a good thing. <laughs> okay. You mentioned breakout rooms. Now there was breakout rooms in, you know, traditional conferences, like you were just telling us, but over the last year, we've seen multiple video apps like uh microsoft teams uh i don't know does uh, i use zoom to record the podcast but i don't use it for my day-to-day business i don't know if zoom has added it yet or not but i know teams definitely has it i'd be surprised rooms yeah breakout rooms zoom had it first Zoom had it first. There you go. There you go. So Zoom, with Zoom's the, had it since before the pandemic. Very perfect. Perfect. So with the breakout yeah. rooms now being in Zoom, being in Microsoft Teams, how much of a difference does that make then for collaboration for these, you know, networking? events because instead of having 50 different people trying to speak at once okay on one zoom call you could use the breakout rooms and be like hey look we're gonna put each of you for five or ten minutes or whatever you know five people in ten different breakout rooms you know get five, 10 minutes get to know each other and then we'll mix it up with another random set you know does that make a difference? Does that help people? Is it a good ad of technology? What's your whole take? So March 20th, 2020, I used breakout rooms the first time because I thought that they were something you had to pay extra for. It's actually free. It's included in the free Zoom. It's included in the paid Zoom, up to 50 rooms. And so it's a, it's a really amazing resource when done well. So I'll give you a bad example first. A bad example is uh, seven people for 15 minutes with three questions. The first question was a, tell us about a challenge you're experiencing. So what happens when you have that is that the first person who shared their answer to question one, everybody didn't start helping that person with that challenge. So there's not enough time for three questions. So it's one question in a breakout room. And the amount of time should be about two minutes a person, except when you're getting over 12 minutes, you should probably give a little more because unless you're a facilitator, you need a little extra time to move between people. The other thing that's really helpful is don't ask the, tell us about a challenge uh, that you're having now. Instead, share a challenge you've experienced and how you overcame it would be another great way to surface, you know, problems that people experience 
and share some great solutions and showcase people's resilience without anyone having to be put in the hot seat to get advice um, and tell people who's going first and nothing cutesy. I tried all the like by birthday hair color and color of the shirt. It's, it's too subjective and it takes time for people to decide who that first, second and third. No, no, no. Alphabetic by first, alphabetical by last name, reverse alpha by first or last. Like that's all right on the screen and then it's not subjective. We all know who's going. So just like giving, this is true for in-person too, by the way, it would make the in-person small groups even better. They're being really clear, like here is the question we want you to have uh, to really grapple with. And then before you open the room, have someone share the, share the prompt and give their own answer to it because their answer is a story and stories beget stories, which is why when I say, how was your day? As soon as you start answering, I think of my own answer. I want to interrupt you and tell you my day because I hear your story. I think of my own. So by giving that answer, that example, it actually will lead people to really get into the content quicker. If you don't provide that, I think breakout rooms are like this weird space where initially five or six people get in and we all do this, like who's going? I don't know who's first. And we all stare at each other. Um, the other thing is technology using. So it give direction is what I'm give direction is what I'm getting there. Just don't throw people in a room and be right. like, okay, okay, peeps network, give them direction, right. give them order. Give them the prompts, this is what you're supposed to do. Also, uh, a countdown clock that you can turn on. So people know exactly how much time is left. Like if you don't okay. turn that on, they're left guessing. And sure, you'll you maybe can message them like, you know, halfway through, two minutes left, but it's just amorphous. But if you have a clock, it's like, oh, we better get going because like we want to make sure everyone's it's just there are some people who are naturally good at facilitating. If you give them enough mm -hmm. structure, they'll help move things along. Um, but yeah, these are all the pet peeves or mistakes that I have witnessed and refined. This is where I'm a strategist when it comes to this and not just pushing buttons. I don't just open breakout rooms. I actually got a really big gig with a client that became an ongoing mm -hmm. client because they asked, can we put 10 people in a breakout room for five minutes? And then later, 10 people in a breakout room for 10 minutes. Uh, and I was like, I can't think of why you would do either of those things. That's too short of a time. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, you can technically, but why would you? Like, what are your, what are your goals? And I can describe some ways of the best practices. <laughs> And the in-house person answered yes. <laughs> so they hired an outside person because I, I ask, I'm a partner who asks good questions right. to get the right end result. And they, their in-house person was like, sure, I can do that. So let, let me ask you, with your virtual networking that you have going on, okay, mm -hmm. it, it's a weekly event, you said. Um, no more bad Zoom, yeah. So no more bad Zoom. So with that, how has that evolved over the last almost two years now, I guess it would be? Yeah. Well, it, it, at the height was 50 to 60 people a week. Mm -hmm. um, with about a third being new each week. And that was true through the end of 2020 and through about halfway through 2021. And now it's down to probably, I would say, um, 20 to 30 people a week with, um, still, I would say a, a, a few new people every week. Um, but like, why do you think like, it's down? Oh, you know, well, um, it first it was summer. <laughs> and so people could leave the house again. <laughs> right, right. Um, I was about to ask that if it's because things COVID, are kind of opening. Yeah, COVID shifted things. 
Uh, and now, you know, I haven't promote, I mean, the, I'm not promoting it the way I once was. So the people who are finding it new are finding it sort of organically. Right. So, um, it's all or from shark bite biz. Yeah. So <laughs> no more bad zoom.com every Friday at five Eastern. And, um, it's a tracks entrepreneurs, um, and entrepreneurial minded people. And what's been fun is I do a series of breakout rooms every other week. I have a guest come on. And the last breakout room is a choose your own adventure where they get to choose um, from like nine different topics and they can move between rooms. And it's really a great opportunity for you to get to know other people and find some commonality. And um, we always do like a, a one around wins. We do a breakout room where people get to share wins. And it's just a really a wonderful community. Honestly, for a long time, particularly through 2020, I was working nonstop. I had so much going on that year. Yeah. Uh, my business was taking off. I was still um, working with uh, clients on behalf of someone else. And it just was so much that I didn't, every day, was this, it was a blur's day. But Friday <laughs> at 5, this one thing happened. It was the only reason I knew a week had happened. I was like, I love seeing you people. So <laughs> Is there, I, is there I, any I, type of cost? Really good. Or can anybody join? It's awesome. free, nomorebadzoom.com. And um, honestly, it's been a way for me to showcase what I do. I've gotten some great leads for my virtual event, um, client, for two virtual event clients by people seeing me. I'm both teaching. I'm, I'm offering a little bit about how to use Zoom. I do a whole Q&A about anything you want to know about Zoom. I will walk you through the details. I'll show you the back end. But I'm also really focused on the why. Um, as you can see, right, it's not just like, how do you push the buttons, but like, why right. Why would you play music instead of like, just how do you play music? Um, new content, new, new features are always coming out. So we'll play around with that. Um, I'll bring to them strategy questions that I've, I've gone through with my <laughs> clients and then get their feedback. Like, what would you do? You know, here's what we're trying to achieve. What do you think? And just, it's just been really fun. And um, I also, because of my passion for business strategy, I've been weaving in more and more of that as well. And so we'll have breakout room questions around business strategy and goal setting, um, all the content that eventually went into my second book. Okay. So uh, we got that time for one other question here, which is something that once I saw this on your profile, um, actually two questions, apologize. But once I saw these two, they kind of caught my eye. Um, and one of them is is about email list. Okay. We had a guest on, I think it was season three and they were talking about the value of email, even in 2020, 2021, 2022, that it's still like the top way of getting, you know, business, getting clicks, stuff like that is through having an effective email strategy. And you take that step, uh, a step further, I believe, where you're saying even having a small email list that's effective is, is very beneficial for your business. Can you kind of elaborate on that? The, the book is called Small List, Big Results, Launch a Successful Offer, No Matter the Size of Your Email List. And it's called that because the problem my readers have is that they created an, they have an idea for a solution, right? An offer and they work on it and they develop some kind of program or online course or whatever it is, an app. And they eventually release it to the market and the market says, who are you? What is this? I don't need this. And it's just like, what? I know you need this. And they think the reason they're having trouble is they don't have a big enough email list. They're not sure how to market it and they don't have enough people to market it to. 
So my point is that I actually think the problem is that you didn't invite input from likely prospects as you were developing the offer. And so my book is all about how you wake up your network, not just your email list, but your larger network. And how do you go through that very thoughtful process to do this, to identify from within your existing network, people who already have that know, like, and trust who are likely prospects or likely referral partners or fellow experts, or people you just want to even have coffee chats with about this, and then do research calls with those people. They may have never heard of you business-wise. They might know you from another job you had five years ago. They're not on your email list. But now, because of these conversations, they're helping you understand how they see things. Because that's the other part of the problem is that we're experts. So where our understanding is like high and up here, and they're coming at it from this like kind of you know symptom aware. I call it little P problem. <laughs> Because in their mind, it's a problem, but in our mind, like that's not a problem. This is the problem, the big problem. So we try to sell people big solutions and they're thinking Band-Aid and we're selling them surgery and they're like, nope. So we need to, in all of our marketing and all of our calls and everything we do, help people close the, that gap between little P and big P aware. Because once they understand- You just stole, that, you just stole uh, my second question right there. I was going to yes. ask you the difference between big P and little P, but exactly how you're explaining that. That's something, again, I mentioned earlier, you know, we do the ERP with my, my day job, Vision 33. We run into the all the time, you know, Hey, we don't need the, the full thing. You know, we don't need every single module implemented. You know, we just need something very light, simple, easy to use just to kind of get started and then we'll build it up later. And that I think is a perfect example of little P versus big P. And it really takes listening skills, I think, so that you can hear that from your prospect or your customer to identify that, hey, they're talking simple, you know, they're talking little P, not well, big P. Talking little P and also what language are they using? What specific words? Like not fatigue. They're all saying exhausted. Well, then stop using the word fatigue. Switch your language. If they need training, then don't try to sell them a mastermind. Um, you know, just really meeting people where they are and don't, don't see a problem where there isn't one. Like if they don't have urgency and they're not trying to fix it, don't think they're going to suddenly be excited about what you create. Because they're, they're not looking to fix it, um, no matter how amazing your thing is. Like, for whatever reason, it's chronic. There, other things are more important. So I, I just think like if you could have 20 to 30 calls in the next 6 to 12 weeks, that will save you a year and a half's worth of banging your head on the wall. And I think so many of us just skip this because we think we already know what we need to know about our audience or we're afraid to have these conversations, or we don't know what to say. So my book is a very quick book. You can read it under two hours, but it'll take you years to properly implement. And there is a big results toolkit that goes along with it that has tons of resources and workbooks to really, I mean, and I'm, I'm constantly doing programming to help people figure this out. I just think if we can figure this piece out and find those people who are really into it, we can pilot with five people or 10 people and figure it out. I think too many people think the email list is the wrong, is the problem. And then they pay someone to set up Facebook ads to a page that has not been converting. What's the point? You're just spending money to send an audience to a page that doesn't yet convert. Or you say, oh, I'm going to do a virtual summit to do list building. 
you're going to build a list, but not with the right people because your summit isn't attracting the right people because you don't yet know who they are. Like, I, I just think this promotional efforts will fail if we don't fully understand who these audience members are and how they see the problem. Yeah. Hey, this has been wonderful. This has been fun. You've given us so you've name dropped what at least like 10 different books that you've written. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, but you, you've name dropped your books. Uh, we got your podcast. We got your networking events. So why don't you do us all a favor? Let's list them all out again so that everybody knows where they can digitally stock you at. Well, first, since I just mentioned the Big Results Toolkit, this goes accompanies the Smallest Big Results book. You can get both at robbysamuels.com forward slash shark. So go there. And when you go to buy the, when you go to opt in to get the book, you're going to see the option to download the, um, the, the toolkit as well. And you'll be then redirected to Amazon to get the book. Um, and then on the schmooze.com is my podcast. And you can find it wherever podcasts are played. It's been around for five and a half years. Um, and then no more bad zoom.com is my weekly event every Friday at five Eastern. Um, I don't have many plans to slow down. It's been too much fun. And RobbieSamuels.com is just the home of the eclecticness that I, I am. I'm a multi-passionate entrepreneur who does a lot of different things. And um, I kind of house it all within one site. Uh, awesome. Awesome. And for all of our viewers and listeners out there, we will have all of Robbie's links down below in the descriptions and in the pinned comments on YouTube. Hey, Robbie, this has been great. You've given us a lot to think about. Of So I, I appreciate it. Thank yeah. you so much for coming on. Thanks for sharing uh, all this journey with me. I love that how you asked <laughs> about everything. It was great. Yeah. My pleasure. Hey, I need to know why too. So <laughs> thank you. Cheers. Wow, such an incredible chat with Robbie, right? We actually tackled all three segments of his business right there in one interview. <laughs> I hope we weren't too all over the place for y'all. First, you all know the routine. If you found this interview helpful, if it sparked those warm and fuzzies, do me a favor, hit that like button, smash that subscribe button. But if you really want to help us out, because you know Shark Bite Biz is the greatest kept secret in the world of business, please share us out to your friends, your colleagues, your parents. Share us to your parents out there, wherever you dwell on the interwebs, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Minds, Rumble, anywhere. We're out there. Find us and share us to your community. Now let's get back to our rock star guest, Robbie. Yet another guest telling us that email list is the most valuable tool in achieving more sales. It's incredible how many people come onto the show and tell us this. And, you know, originally I was a little bit of a skeptic and I was kind of surprised because we think of email as an old technology. But as I thought about it, I really evaluated my purchases since we recorded this episode. And now me recording this intro segment. And it's true. I'd say 80 to 90% of my impulse purchases, believe me, I got a house full of junk. Okay. 80 to 90% of those impulse purchases came because of either an email I got of a sale, for example, 
I bought my wife some Steve Madden shoes and a purse. I've never bought Steve Madden before in my life, but it was a great deal. It looked pretty cool. And it was like, bam, let's get it. Good price. I, I didn't disagree, but it was because I received that email. The other reason is because of a social media ad that I see. And it's just like, wow, this is compelling. I think we got like two or three different robots in the house roaming around because of that for the kids. So there is truth, I feel, in what Robbie and the other experts have been telling us. And I really do want to stress, listen to them, take their word, take my impulse purchases, uh, you know, as proof that having a good email list does work. The bagel versus croissant conversation, that was also pretty good. Being a croissant and having an opening for people to be able to come up, meet and greet, is a really good strategy to allow you to find valuable relationships when you get back into networking in person. For some people, depending your state, your county, your region, whatever it may be, could be sooner than later. But when you get back to that, keep the bagel versus croissant mentality in your mind as you're thinking about what you're going to do. Lastly, the hashtag no more bad zoob virtual happy hours. That's awesome. I love what he did. I went out, I started a podcast. He went out, he actually started a virtual happy hour. So kudos to you. I know how much hard work goes into that. And having professionally produced webinar or uh, happy hour, you know, it is the future. And I really liked how he gave us ideas about the breakout rooms and all that stuff. I mean, we're living in a digital world. Virtual networking is going to be here to stay. Learn it. Master it. I mean, literally, we're one step from the metaverse. Okay, maybe two or three steps from the metaverse being like everyday life for us. So like it or not, Zoom calls, Zoom happy hours, Zoom webinars, they are here to stay. So if you're going to be doing it, do it right. Use somebody like Robbie, and I urge you really to listen to his advice. Get things done professionally. Don't try to, you know, half it off and do a little bit of this, a little bit of that. You know, go all in, all or nothing. Go big, go home, okay? Awesome stuff again, Robbie. Thank you so much for coming on. I will definitely join one of your uh, hashtag no more bad Zoom happy hours, okay? I'm probably going to join this week. No promises, but I will try to be in there this week since the episode aired this week. Please remember for those watching uh, on YouTube or Rumble or Minds or wherever you're seeing this episode at, Please remember, grab his book, Small List, Big Results. We're going to have the link provided down below that you can click on a special Shark Bite Biz link. Question of the day, bagel versus croissant. What do you prefer? Leave a comment down below on YouTube or Rumble. And remember, if you want to be on the show, please shoot out an email at interviews at sharkbitebiz.com. We are full for guests for this whole entire year already, probably even early into next year, but you can get onto the waiting list. And if there's a cancellation, 
we will get you on. We're also in the process of either adding a second episode or probably doing a live stream in which we're going to need a lot more guests for this live stream idea if we pull it off. So again, interviews at sharkbitebiz.com. If you're watching on YouTube, please hit the join button. Join the channel, $3 a month. You can become a baby shark. You get some perks with that. Or you head on over to deadhousecoffee.com. That's our special coffee brand. You will get the freshest coffee known on earth. Coffee that is roasted, sealed, and shipped all within a 24-hour period directly to your home. And if you use the code SHARK, you'll get 20% off your order. We'll get all the proceeds to help us continue growing this. You all know this by now. But I'm David Strasser. This is Shark Bite Biz. And we'll see you all next episode. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Shark Bite Biz. We hope you got some insightful info from this podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us through your favorite podcast app and visit us on the web at www.sharkbitebiz.com. How has business changed for you in the 20s? Email us at podcast at sharkbitebiz.com so you can join us and share your story.